most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The Holy Gospel, John's Gospel, Chapter 2. It is the basis for the sermon today. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best Till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. I want to grow in faith. More than that, I need to grow in faith because growing in my trust in the Lord God means that inside my heart of hearts, there's less and less room for Satan, less and less room for my sinful side, less and less room for self-centered character flaws. If I'm not growing in faith, then there's more space for the bad stuff. Then I'll be falling into old patterns, sinful ways, selfish paths. Then I will not be the child of God he wants me to be. So how do I get there? How do I get greater faith, more trust, more Jesus living inside There's a straightforward Bible account before us today that is actually quite marvelous in its simplicity from John's Gospel in chapter 2, today's Gospel account. Watch what the Lord Jesus did for his first followers and learn 
what he will do for you and for me on the inside. The Gospel writer John takes us to a wedding and a wedding reception. And while there, Jesus does something that is quite remarkable. Although under wraps at first, John tells us, on the third day, this is the third day after traveling from down south by the Jordan River, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. What's the first thing people check out when they get to a wedding reception? Well, they're probably looking for the entrance to the banquet hall, their numbered table where they're supposed to sit. Maybe they're looking for the gift table or the card box. Maybe they're looking at the flowers. But the first thing on their minds, they're checking out other guests. They're looking at the guys to see if they're in coat and tie or bow tie and suspenders. They're looking at their haircut or their shoes. And the women check out her dress, her shoes, her handbag, her makeup, her hairstyle. And woe is me if she's got a dress identical to mine. Whether we want to admit it or not, guests are checking out other guests. But what about this wedding that took place in a village 10 miles north and a little east of Nazareth? Back in those days, in ancient times in Israel, weddings, the reception could last several days, maybe up to a week. People were coming and going. On the scene was Jesus' mother. Was she involved in planning the event? Was she the hostess? Was she related to the bride or groom? We don't know, but this took place in a village not far from her home in Nazareth. And we also know that her son and his new friends were invited. He seems to slip both in and out under the radar. If any guests looked at him and checked him out, they might be thinking, well, what, is he a childhood friend of the groom or maybe a neighbor or a cousin? In fact, most of them didn't even realize that later on he performed a miracle. But for his disciples, for his disciples, it was as though someone snuck up from behind, covered their eyes and asked, guess who? Because this special guest was revealing his identity for them, an identity which they did not fully grasp when they arrived at this wedding, but an identity which would increase their faith by the time they left, because they would have the answer to the question, guest, who? Yeah, there's this guest, but who is he? Guest, who? If you had an opportunity to go to a wedding and a wedding reception, and you knew that someone very special would be there, I don't know, some, some superstar actor or singer or athlete, wouldn't you expect a little fanfare? Wouldn't you expect an arrival in limo or Lamborghini? Wouldn't you expect that that person would get the royal red carpet treatment that concierge to open the door, servers to bow, people to clap, autograph hounds to thrust out their sharpies, photographers to be clicking away. But what if this guest had the power to humiliate you, accuse you, and punish you? 
What if this guest had the authority to stand up and announce everything wrong that you've ever done, to expose your hidden character flaws, to reveal the hurt and the evil that you've perpetrated on others, to tell everyone what you're really like when your sinful side gets the upper hand over your believer side? This special guest at the wedding at Cana could have done that. He could have poked at Uncle Joe or Grandma Mildred. He could have exposed the greed of the groom's father, the lust of the best man, the lying of the matron of honor. He could have busted all the hypocrites there and everyone else who looked pretty nice but covering up evil on the inside. He could have, but he didn't do that. He also could have stolen the show by performing something even more spectacular than this rather quiet, unheralded water-to-wine miracle. He could have levitated the whole dance floor and everyone on it. He could have snapped his fingers and produced lamb chops and beef ribs for everyone. Surely then people would say, guest, who? There's a special guest. Who is he? But he didn't do that either. He came in humility. He came in humility into our world and to this wedding reception. He came not to humble us, but to humble himself in our place. He came not to poke fun at us, but to bring us eternal fun. Guest? Who? There's this guest. Who is he? He's our Savior. Jesus, our humble Savior. Humble for us. This ever happened to you? You're heading to a wedding reception, but you're not sure of the directions, and you get lost. Even Siri doesn't seem to know how to point you the right way. But finally, finally you get there. And once there, you don't know for sure which door of the building to enter, which direction to take to the banquet hall. You don't know many of the people there. You don't know whether it will be open bar or not, where the gift table was, whether the food will be served on time, whether the speeches will go on and on. There's a lot that you don't know. Perhaps was that the case for the guests who arrived at this wedding at Cana? There was a lot that they didn't know until they arrived and then found out. Most of them didn't even know the wine was running low. A few of them did. But they didn't know what to do about it. Mary simply stated a fact. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. But Jesus knew the problem, and he knew what to do about it. Woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. He's not being snotty. He's simply stating, this is now my business, my concern. I got it. Don't worry. He knew that if he made a big splash, the timing would be off. Then all the people would jump up and go crazy looking for more freebies and a free show. But he also knew what his disciples needed. They needed to get a glimpse of who he really is so they could have greater faith and have more faith in him, because it hadn't all sunk in yet. 
With their eyes, they saw and they knew he was the Messiah, but with their eyes, he's a Messiah, just a humble teacher. But in their hearts, they didn't fully grasp yet he's God in flesh. We can tell that because even a couple of months after this instance, they were in a boat after he calmed a storm and they asked, well, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. At this early point in the beginning of his public ministry, these disciples did not yet fully grasp the answer to the question, guest, but who? Here he is, a special guest, but who is he? So Jesus is revealing his identity by demonstrating his wisdom. He knows what the guests need, and he knows what his disciples need. And when this special guest comes into your life and mind, he knows what we need. He's not going to give us $2 million in small unmarked bills or a vacation home or instantaneous health after discovering cancer. He could, he might, but he knows what we need. He knows we need when there's thinking that is selfish, when there's speaking that is hurtful, when there's doing that is dirty or damaging. He knows, this special guest knows what we really need. Guest? Who? There's this guest? Who is he? Well, he's our Savior. He's Jesus, our wise Savior who knows what we need. When guests arrive at a wedding reception nowadays, they typically bring a gift, sort of expected. If you forgot, you kind of feel dumb. But nowadays, brides and grooms take out the guesswork and make it a little bit easier. You can plan what you budget to spend for their gift and match it to what they want by checking out their registry at Target or Kohl's or at the at-home store. Was that the custom in ancient Israel? Did the guests coming to this wedding reception in Cana bring a gift? Well, we don't know, but one special guest was more generous than anyone could ever imagine. He solved the problem in a way that boggles the mind. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. That's 150 gallons. That's 63 cases. That's 756 bottles of wine. We don't know how many guests were there, but it must have been a big crowd coming and going over these several days. This was enough wine for over 3,000 people. And it was top shelf. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This came from where? That guest? Who? Who is he? When Jesus comes into your life and mine, when this special guest comes to you, he comes to me, he's not going to come with a cheap imitation of his love. He's not going to come with forgiveness half paid for. Well, you know, I paid for most of your sins, not all of them. You've got to pay for the rest. No, no. That would be like a guest filling out a card, handing it to the bride and groom, and inside it says, well, we bought half of your gift. If you want the rest of it, you're going to have to go to the store, pay for it, and then pick it up. No. 
He's generous and gracious to overflowing. Surely our cup overflows. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Do you ever have even a little bit thinking, well, can he really forgive me for how how wrong and how evil and how wicked and sinful I really am? Can he forgive me? Well, look who's responding. Who? Guest who? This is a special guest. Who is he? It's... It's our gracious Savior. It's Jesus who pours out his gracious love to overflowing to pay for and forgive all of our sins. What guest would show up at a wedding reception in a tux, plunk down at a table, set up a sign with a big arrow pointing to himself, superhero, and then at the first sign of disaster jumps into the coat room and emerges in cape and costume to save the day? None. That's comic book stuff. That's fantasy movie stuff. That's not real world. This special guest in Cana could have done that, but he didn't. What he did was low-key. Only a few of the servers knew about the miracle of water to wine. But his disciples, his disciples saw the sign, the big pointer, when Jesus, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs, the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Why change water to wine? Surely he knew the guests would be better cared for. The host would have his problem solved. The bride and groom would have one less problem, one less thing on their mind and to be bothered with. But it was his disciples he was concerned about. He wanted them to grow on the inside, to grow in their understanding of who he is, to grasp then what he came to do. He wanted them to grow in faith. He wanted them to stop guessing who and know the answer for sure to the guest who? This is a special guest, but who is he? He's the Son of God in human flesh come to save us. That's what the angels were singing on Christmas morning. It's what we sang along with them earlier in worship. Glory to God in the highest. It's what John the Baptist pointed out just a few days earlier. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's what the disciples saw on the Mount of Transfiguration and on Mount Calvary. It's what we see. His glory under wraps at this wedding. But it peaked out in this miracle. His glory under wraps for sure on the cross, but it burst out on Easter morning. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man together in one glorious person so that we look to him more and more, trust in him more and more, and get filled up with his love, driving away and pushing out all that bad stuff that's in there. He's the answer to our question. Guest, who? This is our one and only glorious Lord, it's Jesus, our Savior. If you were asked to host a wedding reception in your home or apartment, even though it would be small, wouldn't you clean up, get ready, clean the place, decorate, do whatever you could to get ready? What if a special guest showed up and did all the preparation and all the getting ready and cleaning for you? Oh, that would be pretty nice. That's what our special guest has done for you and me. He's entered our heart, cleaned it up, and comes to dwell within us. This is what we celebrate during the Epiphany season of the church year. This is what we celebrate every time we gather to worship. It's what we can celebrate every day. 
It's the answer to our prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. What better guest could there be? Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.